What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. When I was a little girl, we would get sick, and my grandmother would make this awful honey and onion concoction. She would force us to drink it. We would be in tears. It was awful. And it made your breath stink. But we always got better. And life is like that. Life is sweet, but sometimes it absolutely stinks. I'm Cameron Adams, and you're listening to Honey and Onion. So we were going to wait until February before we started talking about relationships, but inquiring minds want to know. We have gotten several emails, social media direct messages, and comments about who is on the other side of Cameron Adams, if anyone is on the other side of Cameron Adams. And the answer is yes. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is God's purpose that prevails. And that is the story of my husband and me. When I first met him, you never could have told me that I would be where I am today, married to him nonetheless, living here. Well, kind of, sort of, couldn't tell me. Here's the story. Two weeks, maybe a month, before I left for Massachusetts, I met my husband. My girlfriend takes me to this cookout. She wants to introduce me to a guy that she works with. And she is for certain that I'm going to like this guy. So we get there. I'm having a good time holding court. And I look across the yard and half the cookout is over around this dude. Half was around me. Half was around this dude. So I walk over to here what this dude is talking about. And he's over there talking about the work that he's doing in the city with young kids. He's talking about the plight of the diaspora. Very intelligent guy. He was quite a bit older than me, so I'm listening. As time went on, I really don't know what happened, but my husband tells this story all the time, and everybody laughs. And it really is a true story, But again, I can't really explain it because I don't know what happened. But whatever happened, I stepped into the circle, poked him in his chest and said, you're going to be in my life. I couldn't believe it came out of my mouth. So I immediately scurry away because I'm like, what in the world? I scurry away. I'm like, Lord, for real. Um, And I go on about my business. Well, I guess what was happening with him at the time then, all his boys were like, yo, What are you going to do with that? Seriously? And so he comes over at some point. We go to the front of the house to talk in private. And he starts talking to me about, you know, himself and and then asking, like, so what's up with you? Like, what was all that about? And I was like, I don't know. I'm tripping. Just ignore that whole thing. I don't even know why I said that. 
And I started explaining to him that I'm about to move to Massachusetts, to which he says, my whole family is from Massachusetts. All my aunts and uncles are there. My grandmother is there. Like everybody is in Massachusetts. I'm like, wow, no kidding. So he's like, I can hook you up with a hairdresser. I can, you know, make sure you have a support system. And I was like, no, I'm good. My first year in Massachusetts, I've talked about that on some of the past episodes, being just devastated, not being with my son, who was the thing that I loved most. He was the miracle of God. I had been told that I could not have children. And then I had this son and um, being separated from him was devastating. And then people lying about me being separated from him was devastating. Everything around me was bleak. And I remember, you know, talking to my mom one day and just, you know, feeling like blah. And she must have heard it in my voice as much as I was trying to hold it together, which I tend to do. And she said, you know what? She said, right now, God is up there telling the devil, not my servant, Cameron. And I was like, what? And then I thought about it. And Lord knows I was feeling like Job. And I knew the story of Job. And I was feeling like Job, certainly. But it didn't hit me. That part, because when you're in the thing, you can't see, which is why you have to be surrounded by people who have similar values, who have similar thoughts, who know God. So God can use them to help you see your way through. You have to have that. And at the time, it was my mother who said that to me. You know, God is up there right now and he's telling the devil, not my servant, Cameron, which meant you can do what you want to this girl. I have let you wreak havoc on this girl since she was three years old, but she's going to praise me. She's not going to turn from me and she will not die. And that turned out to be very true. Although I felt like I was going to die. Although I wanted to die. I prayed to die sometimes. But I didn't die. And I thank God for that. Wait a minute. You left him back in Ohio. You What happened? Well, I moved to Massachusetts in September. And in January... He got promoted from Cleveland to headquarters here in New Jersey, at which time he said, you're going to be my wife because look, God moved us together. And then I said, no dog, if God wanted you to be with me, he would have moved you to Massachusetts, not down to New Jersey. And that was my thought process. But of course, God knows best. Sometimes he gives you your vision, or your promise at a distance because you're not ready for it. And and my husband wasn't ready for me, and Lord knows I wasn't ready for him. But God set things in motion. I was kicking and screaming because my husband was my friend. He was my friend. We ran together. We, you know, talked during football games. It, it was to the point where one Christmas I was at home, my father went to make rounds and I was on the phone. And when he came back in the door, I was shocked. 
because I was still on the phone. And he was like, are you still talking to him? And I was like, yeah. And, you know, this is before cell phones, so I'm, like, on the house phone talking. And um, I remember my daddy saying, you sure you don't like this guy? And I was like, it's not like that. We're we're just cool. It's not like that. And um, then what happened after that? Well, then we stayed friends. Then I got promoted, and I moved to Michigan. And if anybody knows, if you are single, male or female, and you are in your 20s, and you move to Detroit, you're not getting a girlfriend or boyfriend anytime soon. You are just getting ready to kick it for a long time. And I moved to Detroit. It was the first time I had ever lived in a black city where there were black things to do. And I was excited because I'm from a small town. And then, you know, I went to a little bigger town at Kentucky in Lexington. And then I moved to Boston, which is a big city, but the very opposite of what Detroit is. And so I had a marvelous time in Detroit and I ran with a group of guys. I was the gal pal with a group of guys that we went to the club on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday and on Sunday, I got up and went to church and then we went golfing. I mean, it was great. And I had a good old time. And then 13 months later, I got promoted again and moved to Connecticut. And that's when I reconnected with my husband. When I moved to Connecticut now, I was closer. So he's still on 10 because he's like, see, now we're even closer. Because remember, he was on this whole, I know you're my wife. And I was like, nope, because I'm in Massachusetts and you're in New Jersey. Then I got promoted to Michigan and I was like, it's a wrap for you because look, God's moving me further away. And he was not shaken. And then when I came back to Connecticut, I could not get rid of this dude. Like I tried, I go back and read my journals from that time and I'm just writing about like, yo, he goes away for a minute, but he's right here. I I can't get rid of him. And by get rid of him, I don't mean I was trying to get rid of him. I just mean no matter what happened in our lives, we stayed connected. Whenever people would ask me, why don't you guys like each other? You sure you don't want to be with him? When I lived in Michigan, he used to call me all the time in my office. And my admin at the time would say, this guy likes you. And I'd say, nope, we're just friends. We're just cool. She said, are you sure you guys seem like you would make such a good couple? And my argument, whenever anyone would say that, was simply this. He and I are two stars fighting to shine in the same sky. He was older than me. He was further along in his career. So no matter what I said or did, he had some kind of old sage wisdom coming up over the top of me. It wasn't until I was almost 30 that I realized maybe God is doing something. But in my mind, when I had a visual of my husband and I, it was a pushing each other off the stage. We both had very big personalities. There are people who come up to him and say, you know, wow, I wish Cameron was my wife, to which he cracks up laughing because y'all don't know what it's like to live with me. But then there are other people that are very transparent and they say to him, like, they couldn't do it. Like, I don't know how you do it. And again, he just starts laughing because he's very focused on what he has to do. I'm very focused on what I have to do. And the Lord brings us together to do what we do together. That is a long story. That's why this is a reality podcast. It's real people with real issues, namely mine. I say all that 
to say this. Your life and what you're going through and however you're trying to think about it and diagnose it and figure out what God is doing, you don't know. No one could have ever told me that day in that backyard that I would be married to this man, with this man for 20 years, have a, certainly have another baby because my first baby was a miracle and living in New Jersey. Because at the time, I lived in Kentucky. I was moving to Massachusetts. He lived in Ohio. That seems like just a bunch of pieces that don't go together. But really, in, in God's puzzle... We only think with our little P minds. Remember, I keep saying that. Your little human mind thinks that your ways are not his ways. Your thoughts are not his thoughts. You can't figure this out. What looked like to me a bunch of little scattered pieces was actually my life coming together in a way that I could have never imagined. You don't know what God is doing while he's doing it. You just don't. Not always. There's no plateaus in life. When you're younger, you think, when am I going to get to the place where I am chilling? The answer is never. I've now learned that. So I can look forward into my 50s, into my 60s, into my 70s, into my 80s, into my 90s. Because, you know, folk in my family live to be 100. So I'm just planning for that. I can look out and know that there's no plateau coming. I think about my great-grandmother. My great-grandmother was 102, and although she sat on the porch, that's pretty much what she did, sat on the porch, dipped snuff, and ate gumdrops, it looked like she had reached the plateau and was chilling. That's what you would think. That's what it seemed for us. It seemed like Grandma was just sitting there. But she wasn't. What she was doing was listening. And then every now and then, something would be happening. We'd be running all around her, and she would bust into a prayer. Even then, her life hadn't plateaued because you know what she was doing? She was looking around at her her children and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren and saying, Father God, I did not live a 100 years for these folks to be running around like nuts. There's no plateau. There's no place where life stops happening. Because even if you're like my great-grandmother and your life, your specific day-to-day is sitting in a chair, dipping snuff, eating gumdrops, and watching another world. The people you care about are living life, and that affects you. We're all connected, whether you like it or not. There's this mantra in, in self-help that says, you know, do you. Focus on you. Be you. And one of my goals for this year is to renew, is to be more focused on me, to make sure that I'm healthy, to make sure that I can maintain my authenticity, which means I need to be strong physically, mentally, and spiritually. But that doesn't just affect me. I didn't just make a decision in a vacuum to do this show. My children, my husband, my parents, my friends, they're all affected by me doing this show. When I tell my story, Other people are affected. It's why I'm adamant about being translucent, not transparent. Transparency means you can see straight through. I can see everything and you can see back. That's transparency, clear. Translucence is when you can't see clearly out. 
It's a little distorted, but all of the light comes through. Light passes completely through. I'm translucent. I want light to pass through to you. When you're listening to Honey and Onion, you don't need all of the details. And here's why. Am I trying to hide the details from you? I mean, not necessarily. But here's the thing. People who have wounded me, who have victimized me, who have done things to hurt me, or are just the villains in part of this story, some of them have changed. They've changed their lives. They've changed perspectives. The situations between me and them have changed. And so... It's not fair to them. Nobody wants to be dragged back into their past. And so me telling my story, you know, delivering my audio memoir drags them back. And I don't want to do that. So I try to hide identifying information as much as I can. I can tell you the story and I can shine the light. I may change the players. You don't need to know that in order to get the message of God and the light shine. There are people who, let's be clear, I'm not the, you know, little nice victim that everybody just abused my whole life and was harmful. All of that hurt and pain caused me to hurt other people. And I have said things and done things to people that were potentially devastating. Back in the day, I used to tell you, don't make me too mad. I clamp my mouth down because when I open my mouth, you go into therapy for a long time. That's not a joke. I'm not being facetious or hyperbolic. There are people who sit in front of therapists and talk about what I said to them 20 or 30 years ago. Those people deserve to live without being dragged back into that experience. They deserve to be respected and cherished. And I don't want to put them in a situation where somebody else, because you know y'all can be mean, where somebody else can bring up to them what has happened. So translucence is important. That's what reality TV is. If you think you're watching reality TV and you're watching real reality, you are not. That's why they now call it scripted reality. This is different. These aren't scripted. These are real scenarios with real people and real issues that I talk about. But the details are sometimes blurred, like in a picture. I want to protect people. The thing about coming into Christ and love is that you do love everybody. And that you do want for everyone to find God. You want people to find Jesus. You want people to live in the light. Even those who hurt you. Especially those who hurt you. Because for me, once I really grasped that God loved me, I started to love myself. And then I started to love other people. Like that's how it worked. Duh. Jesus said, love others as you love yourself. But before that, he said, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Like he told you what to do. Get your relationship right with God. Learn that relationship with God. That relationship with God allows you to love yourself and appreciate who you are and everything you've been through. And then once you see that, once you see your imperfection, once you see your pain, once you see your brokenness and accept it and learn to love it and learn to shine light through those cracks, Then when you look at other people and their brokenness and their hurt and they're doing things to you, you see it differently. It's biblical and it works. So that's the story, at least my version. Now, my husband's version is much more animated. People thoroughly enjoy it, particularly my son's. He makes it sound like I stomped across the yard, burst through hundreds of people, and then poked him in his chest. 
it wasn't quite like that. Then he goes on to tell them that after I made my grand declaration, I played him for the next few years, which we continue to debate about to this day. But it is entertaining for our friends and particularly for our children. There's one part that's missing from that interview. And it's actually the most important part of the story. When I was living in Detroit, we were not spending a lot of time together. We actually didn't talk that often. I had an alarm clock that had this CD in it. If you remember those alarm clocks, you could put a CD in it. You could set your time to wake up and you could set your track to wake up. And my clock was Fred Hammond's The Spirit of David. And I woke up every morning to no weapon. So every morning, 5.30, no weapon came on. Day after day after day after day, month after month, I listened to no weapon in the morning when I woke up. One night, about two something in the morning, my alarm clock goes off. I have no idea why. And what is playing is success is in your hands. Success is in your hands. Follow my plan. I've called you for this hour and placed in you my power. Now you know if you wake up in the middle of the night. When your clock has been set to go off at 5.30, why did it go off at 2-something in the morning playing success is in your hands? So, of course, I'm listening to this. I wake up. I hear this. At first, I'm disoriented. I'm in awe of God. I begin to praise God and thank Him for waking me up and for everything. And I'm just, you know, in worship until I'm crying. As I fall asleep, my head hits the pillow, and I say out of my mouth, I'm going to marry. At that point, like I said, we weren't even talking that much during that year because I was just having a great time, but it was weird. I went back to sleep. My clock went off at the right time at 5.30 with no weapon, and when I got up, like the good... Christian girl I was, I shook that whole thing off, act like it didn't even happen, went on about my business, got me about two other boyfriends after that, before circling back to the Connecticut thing that I talked about in the interview. That is the most crucial part of the story, and we like to tell the whole story because it's really funny and there's a lot in it, but that piece was a piece with me alone, and Every day has not been bliss, and although we have had many blissful days and a whole lot of honey, we had plenty of onion. So during the onion times, I remember that moment, the moment where God knew that I was such a hot mess, that I was so broken and so wounded and just jacked up that he had to wake me up in the middle of the night to tell me that I was going to marry this man. Otherwise, he knew it wouldn't have happened. I would not have listened. 
Mark 10, 9 talks about what God has put together, let no man separate. And we misquote that so many times by saying what God put together, no man can separate. That's certainly not true. Let no man separate what God has put together. If God had not let me know that he put that together, we might be separated today. But we are not, and to God be the glory. I thank God for his marvelous presence in our lives and that he has a hand on me, my husband, and my family. And guess what? His hand is on your family too, on your sons, on your daughters, on your wife, on your husband, on your family. Because when God is for you, people can be against you, but no weapon formed against you will prosper. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We hope you enjoyed Honey and Onion and that you'll come back again soon. Please hit the subscribe button so that you can get all the new episodes. Remember, life is sweet and sometimes it stinks, but it is always worth living. I'm Cameron Adams, and I'll see you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.